Do you have a question about your home? Ken Patterson is a Class A licensed contractor who has designed and built multi-million dollar commercial and industrial projects and single-family homes up and down the East Coast. And now, Ken the Contractor brings his years of experience to the radio. We have ants in the kids' bedrooms. So I'm wondering, should we maybe spray the perimeter of the house on the outside, or is this something we tackle on the inside? Or Well, the professional exterminators, and I've worked with them for many years, will do both. They're going to spray the inside along the baseboard. They will also spray the outside of the home. Do you have a question about your home, inside or out? Call Ken the Contractor. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another hour of Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor, and he's here every weekend at this time to take your calls, questions, and comments and answer the questions that are important to you, today's homeowner. You can always be part of our program at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Or email your questions to our website, kenthecontractor.com. We want to start out this week by welcoming those of you who may be listening to our program for the first time on one of our newest affiliates. And that's WAMV 1420 AM, AM, your good neighbor radio in Amherst and Lynchburg, Virginia. We welcome all of you uh, in the Amherst, Lynchburg area. You can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975. And again, you can email your questions to our website. And that website, again, is KenTheContractor.com. Now, in recent days, I've had the opportunity to be in one of the nation's, I guess, most famous power plants, and that's the Hoover Dam. And I have been reminded about the aging of our power grid system, not only when I recognize that the last generator, the last turbine that was put in that facility was in 1961. And I've looked at some other statistical data in terms of power plants built across the country, both coal-fired as well as nuclear and others. And folks, they're having a hard time keeping up with our demand. They're doing what they can, but... The power producers and the nation as a whole, the government, always encourages to conserve power. And people say, well, why? They want a higher bill. They want more money from us each month. And that really isn't true. It's probably more economical for them for us to spend less each month than to build power plants. But in addition to the power plants, we also have the issue of the grid that we all know about. That is the distribution of that, the substations, the power lines, the power poles, just getting the power to our homes. And as this system continues to age, we know that as we have more storms, the population is more dense in our cities, that we have more power outages. And as a result of that, the manufacturing industry has really paid attention in recent years as far as generators go, standby power. Now, 10 years ago, for the most part, if you wanted to buy a generator, you were going to buy a commercial generator. It was designed for commercial business and industrial use. You were going to pay that price. It may have been ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 for a genset for the whole house, including the transfer switch. And you didn't have a lot of the technology that's available today to help you with load management. Today, the world is a different place by far. And some of the things that I get questions about from time to time has to do with generators. How do I tie this portable generator into my home? And I want to tell you that you really don't need to be dealing with that today because one item I want to bring to you is what I think for most people is an affordable home generator system that will provide power to your entire house. We'll do it automatically once it's set up, and it is pretty much maintenance-free. Now, this is a big, big change from where we were, as I said, maybe 10 years ago when we were looking at expensive industrial generators to have any form of standby power. So many things I pick up on when I'm at the International Builder Show, and from time to time you'll hear me talk about these. Some products that I have learned about this year won't even be in the marketplace until later 
this year. So you'll be hearing about this as we move on over the next several months. When we talk about standby power, GE, which we all know, General Electric, their generator division in conjunction with Briggs & Stratton, and I think many of you know Briggs & Stratton, has developed what they call the smallest home generator system in the marketplace. And from what I know, I really believe it is. It's an 8KW unit. Now, a KW is a kilowatt, and so you're going to get, if you have a 100-amp service, uh, that would typically take a 10kW. If you have a 200 amp service, that would typically take a 20kW generator set. And you're saying, Ken, nobody has an 8kW service. And that's probably true. Perhaps some mobile homes, maybe cabins, other smaller facilities do. But the average home is going to fall somewhere between a 100 amp service and a 200 amp service and larger homes, maybe even a 400 amp service. But what makes this generator unique is one, its size, its capacity, its smart technology, and the ability to tie this in to your system to automatically transfer load. If the power goes out, it automatically starts up. It automatically transfers the power to the generator in a matter of seconds, 20, 30 seconds or less. And it will provide at least key energy or energy to those items that are absolutely necessary, your refrigerator, your freezer. Perhaps even you've got X number of lights, your TV sets, your radios, microwaves, in some cases even smaller air conditioning units, furnaces in the winter months. So it's a, it's a unit that I think will be affordable and work well for everybody. Now, this is a package unit. It's extremely small. This system, as I said, is an 8KW unit. It's fully automatic. The size of the unit is not much larger than an ordinary uh, HVAC or air conditioning compressor. It's 24 inches by 28 inches and stands about 33 inches high, completely self-contained. But there are a lot of generators out there you say maybe about this size. What makes this unique? It's load management system. Once it's tied into that power supply on your home, even if you've got a 200 amp service, you rarely turn everything on at one time. So this will help determine with you your priorities, saying that I want to power this many lights, I want to power uh, the refrigerator, the freezer, I want to be able to use my stovetop, I want to be able to use the dryer for that matter, or the furnace, or the air conditioning unit. It will let you establish the priority, turn on items that are critical to you, and if there's enough power left over, something's off, and you want something else on, it will automatically allow it to come on as well. This system has also been approved nationwide by the National Electric Code, or these smaller systems, with this energy management. In years past, as recent as five, six, seven years ago, if you put a generator on your house, it had to be sized for the full service size of that panel. And now because of the smart technology, that's no longer a requirement. So I really want to encourage everybody that's thinking about alternative energy. And I wanted to bring this up today because I get a number of emails and we get calls on this show about generator power. And the technology is there today that says in most homes across this country, it's something that you can do with a unit this size. It's small enough if you have only five, seven feet between your house and your lot line. This doesn't require a lot of clearance. Uh, It meets all the National Fire Protection Codes, and it can easily be placed adjacent to the house. Now, the fuel source on this is both LP and natural gas. So if you don't have natural gas available, it takes simply an LP tank. And at half load, it will burn about 1.2 gallons per hour. So that gives you some idea of the size tank you need. The other thing that's important to you is it has almost no maintenance on this. Because it's burning LP or natural gas, unlike gasoline, which clogs up and, and can gum up systems, this is not that way. So you have very limited maintenance on it. It's user-friendly. 
It's, it has an interior control that lets you monitor it, the output and so forth. You don't even have to go outside. So for any of you who are thinking about standby power and you're willing to spend somewhere in a range of three to $4,000, because that's what GE tells me the average price will be across the country installed for this system, I think it makes it very affordable and good standby power for almost everybody's home. Coming up on this edition of Ken the Contractor, coming up about a half hour from now in our Universal Living segment, uh, Ken is going to be uh, talking about something that can help detect moisture and maybe stop mold and mildew from occurring in your house. And also, one-on-one with Ken the Contractor this week, we'll be talking with Dave Johnson of Homebuyer's Warranty Company. That's going to be coming up this hour on this edition of Ken the Contractor. Don't forget, if you'd like to reach us, if you have a question for Ken, you can email your questions to our website, kenthecontractor.com, or call us, 800-614-2975. Welcome back. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. If you have a question about your home inside or out, you can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Or you can email your questions to our website. That's KenTheContractor.com. Let's go to the phones right now. And joining us from South Bend, Indiana, is Al. Al, hi. You're on the air with Ken the Contractor. Yeah, hi, Ken. Uh, I have a, a dual problem. I just had a new furnace put in my house. I went from a, it was recommended by three different companies I had come in. I went from a 85 BTU down to a 70 or a 75 BTU. They said it should be plenty of uh, BTU for my house. It's 1,500 square feet. I had an energy shield put in my attic, and I have to have the temperature up higher than I did with my old furnace. I had a crack in the exchanger, which is why I had to get a new furnace. And it was uh, it was an 85 single stage, but this is a, a dual stage furnace. I didn't know if I would make the difference or not. But essentially, you got two separate units. Well, it's it, no, it's a single stage uh, fan or dual stage fan. Okay, all right. It's a single stage when it, unless it gets really extreme, and then it goes into the second stage. Yeah, there are dual stage both fans and. Uh, heating and cooling units. That's what I wanted to be sure of. So your issue centers around just the feel of the house. Is it still cold? Right. Or? Right. We have to, with my old furnace, we never put it up higher. We never put the thermostat up higher than usually 68, 69 at the most, and we were comfortable. Now at this one, we put it up at 72, 73 just to stay comfortable, and we still don't feel very comfortable. All right, but is it satisfying the thermostat? You're satisfied the temperature is coming up to the level you have it set. Well, I've had it checked three times by the people, and they say it's doing what it's supposed to be doing. Was this a new thermostat that went in with the unit? Yes, it went in with the unit. Okay, have you set another thermometer in the room to verify the room temperature to be sure that the thermostat is not inaccurate? Well, my old thermostat I kept in place, and it is actually off two degrees compared to the new one. Well, sometimes thermostats are problems, and people call me occasionally and say, we, we think we have an issue with the heat, with the furnace, whether it's gas, electric, it doesn't matter when it turns out to be the thermostat. The bottom line is you feel different in the home. You're actually feeling cooler, even though the thermostat is being satisfied. Right. And you've done the right things. You, to me, you put an energy shield, you say, in the attic. You're trying to retain more of the heat on the inside. You've upgraded with a more modern heat system. This, the only thing else I would ask you to look at or to consider, do you have any need for combustion air? you have fireplaces or other things in the house also? 
I do have a fireplace, but I have a closed-off chimney. It has a, instead of using the fireplace now, it's a gas log, and we use it occasionally, not very often. And this furnace is uh, LP? Uh, right. The furnace is, is uh, gas. How are they handling the makeup air? Did they change the venting on the furnace? Uh, how is combustion air coming in for that to operate? No, they use the same system I had in there. And they're satisfied that was adequate as far as the combustion air bringing fresh air in for the burn chamber. So you have, as I said, done the right thing, I think, with the energy shield in the attic space. You're concerned about your insulation. I'm sure you had uh, no major changes as far as your weather stripping on doors and windows. And oh, yeah, brand new windows. And what puzzles me, I don't mind admitting this, is you're saying that the thermostat is being satisfied, but you are feeling cooler. Right. So it seventy, just, if you have all the heat as well. Does the fan on this run all the time? No, I don't have it running all the time. I have it. It just comes on when the heat comes on. Byproduct of any combustion is also putting moisture back in the air. Now, do you have any way of sensing moisture? Do you have a humidistat in the house? No, I don't have any such thing. As I'm digesting all the information you're sending me and various problems I've dealt with over the decades, that could be one reason you may feel a little cooler. You may have higher humidity levels based on the efficiency and how well this, this unit burns. I would ask them the same questions you're asking me and have them check those items. I'd verify that the thermostat's doing what it's supposed to do. I'd be certain that the combustion air is proper so that it is fully burning and you're not putting more moisture back in the air than you should. And if there's if there's some issue in the venting, for example, it could be putting more moisture in the home than you've had. If everything else is right, if you're saying 72 degrees or 70 degrees is 70 degrees with both units in there, you should feel the same. So there's something going on that's causing you to feel different. And the level of humidity in our air, whether it's heated or cooled, will cause us to feel different than it something that we may be accustomed to. So that would be the only thing initially that comes to my mind that I think you need to have them check. Otherwise, this may be more of a feel that you and your family have in the house because of the two-stage blower and two-stage furnace at this point. That first stage may not be producing quite the same temperature that you're accustomed to feel move across your bodies. This would be a lot like having a ceiling fan on in the summer months to move air across our bodies so that we feel cooler even though we haven't changed the thermostat on the air conditioning system. All right. Thank you very much. Take care. We appreciate your call. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Al. And if you've got a question for Ken, you can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975 or email us questions like this one from Kimberly comes to us from Anderson, South Carolina. And Kimberly says, I've been told I need to use a special exterior outlet for power on my new deck. One friend said to use a GFCI, I think. My daughter said it's called an AFCI. Which one is right? What's the difference? And what makes them different from the ordinary outlets in my house. Now, my husband's pretty handy and does not mind working with electricity. I just want to be sure we're using the right outlet to be safe. And by the way, our house is about 40 years old, so all we have are regular-looking plugs in the house. Kimberly, you raise a good question, and I'm glad you asked this because there is a distinct difference between a GFCI and an AFCI. They serve two different purposes and with an intent to be used in different locations. Now, first off, you say your husband is pretty handy with power, and so if he's changed some switches and outlets before, that's great. He should know you, by all means, you go to the breaker, you turn the power off to that circuit, you test it after you do it to be sure there are no live wires in the box, then you can proceed with changing the outlet or adding an outlet. Even if you're coming off a circuit back-to-back on that inside wall, this outside outlet for your new deck needs to be a GFCI. Now, the GFCI is a ground fault circuit interrupter breaker, 
and most of uh, the folks that have these would recognize them. They're typically a rectangular-shaped outlet, and they've got a little push button in them. Some may have a light on them, and it says push to test periodically. That serves the same purpose as a breaker in your electrical panel. The difference is this is extremely sensitive. It's designed to be in moisture-prone areas. So typically in new construction, we're going to see them in garages. They're going to be around the exterior of our home. They'll be in kitchen environments, bathroom environments, anything that's susceptible to having moisture, whether it's standing or just high humidity levels. And the purpose of this is to prevent us from being electrocuted with a short in a power tool or an appliance, anything we may have plugged into it. This outlet is so sensitive that it will trip before enough current or amperage can come through to electrocute anyone based on, again, a short in some device that we would plug into that. So the GFCI, Ground Fault Circuit Interrupter Breaker, is what you need. And just by way of explanation, the AFCI is an ARC, ARC, ARC Fault Circuit Interrupter Breaker, and that is typically used and required by the National Electric Code today in all bedrooms, and I think we will eventually see this required throughout all interior outlets in our home. It's not a wet area outlet, but what it does is sense arc that may develop within a cord from a lamp, for example, or some device plugged in, and it will tell it to trip this so it doesn't have a fire. So the bottom line is for exterior or wet environment use, you and others want to be using a GFCI, a ground fault circuit interrupter breaker. It's easy to install. It fits in the same box as a regular outlet does. So you can interchange these. If you happen to have an area now, you say your house is 40 years old, you may want to have some put in the kitchen or bathrooms and be safe. We're going to take a quick break. We'll continue with more. Don't forget to friend Ken on Facebook at Ken the Contractor and follow us on Twitter at Ken Answers. Email your questions to Ken the Contractor or give us a call. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Welcome back. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Ken Batterson is Ken the Contractor, and he's here every weekend, and he's here to answer the questions that are important to you, today's homeowner. Let's go back to our phone lines right now at 800-614-2975. And joining us is Charles. Charles, you're on the air with Ken the Contractor. Go right ahead. Uh, I have a thing on the top, on the roof of my house. It's about a foot in diameter, maybe two feet high, and it, it's a vent of, uh, I'm not sure what to call it. It spins around, uh, uh, you know, if it's hot inside, and uh, certainly the wind blows it around. And uh, I've noticed that uh, it's beginning to squeak and all, and I'm wondering I, what to do about it. I squirted some WD-40 up there, but I don't know whether it helped. And I guess the other part of the question is, is that whole thing obsolete, and uh, uh, what do I do about it? Okay, well, it sounds like you're describing uh, essentially what most of us would call a wind turbine. It's an attic ventilation system that operates on the wind, basically. There's no motor, correct? Right. Okay. And just by what you're describing, it sounds like it's a few years old. And, uh, well, we've been in this house 14 years, and it was here when I when we got yeah, here. Yeah, those are not as common today as they were some time ago is the reason I'm assuming that it's fairly old as well. They do have bearings in them, and the bearings can go bad. And that holds true for the power-ventilated attic fans that we have also. They have bearings in those. Depends on the type unit you buy. I have had them go, by on my own, go bad on my own properties, and other folks have as well. But there are two possibilities with this. One, you've either got an issue with the bearings or you have a piece of this unit that has become bent in some fashion. It may be from winds. It could be impact from birds. It could be you know, wind blowing, uh, something airborne, uh, a small limb or whatever. 
and you may find that that is rubbing against another piece. I've had that happen also. But there, yeah, it, it is. The, the thing on the bottom is rubbing against the center pole. Okay. So but not, I don't think anything, any bearings have fallen out because they'd be laying on the screen that's underneath them. Yeah, they may not fall out, but they will go bad over time. So those are the only two areas I know that you can have a problem with that type of unit because you have no electrical parts to it. You do have bearings in it. That's what allows it to rotate around, and they are uh, very sensitive to wind. It takes very little air movement to make those work and to help pull yeah. that hot air out of your attic space. And yeah, beyond and it, and it roars. And beyond that, uh, you're going to have a piece that is bent, and it may be very small that's causing it to squeak or bind or rub against some other element. So I would check those two items. But, again, given the age of it, uh, you may find that it is um, it's just time to replace it. I'll put it like that. Now, how does it look? Is it rusted? No, it's, uh, it looks like, you know, aluminum, not shiny particularly, but it's aluminum. Okay. I guess it's aluminum. I, I don't imagine it's steel, but it might be. Well, I'd take a look at it. Those are the only two areas, though, that you have some possibilities uh, um, with problems, that there are no other moving parts in it. Uh, if I wanted to remove it altogether and you got the hole there, then it's, uh, re- it's replacing the putting a patch on the roof and putting new shingles up, I guess, right? If you want to remove it altogether, but frankly, what I would do would be putting a replacement unit in place. But it's it's serving a purpose. It's helping to pull that heat out of your attic. And I would look at some of the power ventilators that are available. And you don't have to do any wiring. You can purchase a completely solar-operated unit, and it may fit that opening quite nicely and just flash back into those shingles. That's really where I'd be going. Okay. What I Well, I, I personally don't think I'm capable of doing it. Uh, so any roofer or do you have a recommendation? Well, I would check with the suppliers of the particular units. You'll find some of the big box stores that sell these solar powered ventilators. You will also find that there are some specialty contractors in your region that will do this. HVAC contractors as well as building contractors. Most of them are going to be referred to as a green building contractor or alternative energy, and those will be the places or the people to go to get this done. So good luck with your problems. Charles, thank you. We do appreciate your call. Time now for our green building segment. And, Ken, we're going to talk about something today that uh, might help our listeners and get rid of some mold and mildew. Well, you know, as we were just talking to Charles, he didn't have a, a power supply. This was a gravity vent. But what I want to talk about in this green segment is green because it saves energy, also because it can help save on some health issues inside. That's not as much green as the energy side of it, but most of us have fans in our bathrooms. We certainly should to help with moisture control also. And now you don't have to change the fan in order to have some degree of humidity control on the inside. There's a product that's available called DewStop, D-E-W-S-T-O-P, and it is a replacement switch. So if you have a separate switch in your bathroom for the exhaust fan, you have to remember to turn it off, turn it on. If you don't turn it on, then you got moisture accumulating on the wall, and you may have mold and mildew in the corners. Uh, Dew Stop is a switch that can help resolve that problem. It has a built-in humidity sensor, and the sensor is located at the top of the switch. You may replace the existing switch with this one. It still allows you manually to turn the fan off and on, but the sensor will also do the work for you, too, in the sense that, when it picks up moisture to the level that it could accumulate on the wall, it will automatically turn this fan on, and it will run until the moisture level dissipates to the point that it can no longer form on the wall. 
So it takes the guesswork out of it for you. If you've got a youngster, somebody that's in the bathroom and constantly leaves the fan off and you come back and you see streaks of water just running down the walls, this will resolve that problem. And you're saying, that's great, Ken, but I happen to have a fan-light combination and I can't just replace one. Well, you're in luck because they have a model called an FS200, a fan light switch that offers the same sensing device for humidity control, and it will do the same as far as controlling that moisture. Now, the other thing that's positive about this is not just for bathroom fans. So for folks that have fans, let's say, in basements, in attics, in other areas that you would like to get rid of or control humidity, this switch may be ideal for that location, too. You just have to see how much moisture you have in the area. So it's called, again, Do Stop, D-E-W-S-T-O-P, and you go to my website, KenTheContractor.com, and you can find out how you can buy this Do Stop switch. All right, let's see if we can sneak in a quick email from Elizabeth in Huntsville, Alabama, uh, that deals with an interesting question. And she wants to know, Ken, do I need to renew my expiring termite warranty? Yeah, and I'm gathering from this question that she's in a, a home that was treated by the contractor when it was built. Said, I received a notice from a termite company called a renewal notice. I've never had a termite ser- company service, so I should not be getting renewal. But it tells me this is to extend the treatment done by my builder when my home was constructed. Now, my home's coming up on five years old. Is this real or is it a sales gimmick? And if it's real, do I need to consider this offer? That's really the gist of her question. When builders treat these homes under slab for termite protection, and most lenders require that these days, the typically they will issue a warranty to the builder transferable to the homeowner of five years. Now, at the end of five years, it's common for the treating company to come back and extend that on with another fee. Now, it's not just a fee. They are required to come out and do an inspection. They may have to spot spray around some areas, but they're going to inspect for termites, and they will issue a renewal usually for one or two years. So this is not a gimmick. I do this on my own properties if you're in a termite-prone area. If the price is right, and you might want to shop around, but if the price is right, I would renew that because it's also transferable when you go to sell that house, and it keeps you from having some massive, expensive inspections later on. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. He always reminds you uh, a house is what you build. A home is what you make it. You can join us right here if you've got questions for Ken. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Welcome back. This is Ken the Contractor. If you have a question for Ken, you can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975 or email your questions to KenTheContractor.com. Time now for this week's edition of One-on-One with Ken the Contractor. Each week, Ken brings you information about products and services from companies and experts that he interviews during his travels, all to make your life better, provide options, and save money. Joining us now is Dave Johnson. Now, Dave is the Regional Vice President, New Home Division with 210 Home Buyers Warranty. We're going to speak a little bit about home warranties and why they're important to you and why they're of great value. Dave, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ken. Good to be here. Glad you could be with us today. I'd like first for you to give us a little background on the 210 Home Buyers Warranty program and the company in general. Essentially, Ken, what we do is we protect home buyers by helping realtors, builders sell more homes with less risk. Our company has more or less been the Kleenex or the Xerox of the industry when we have builders and realtors asking, well, I need a 210 warranty on that home. Our company's been in existence for about 32 years, and we're recognized as an industry leader with about $250 million in assets, no long-term debt, reinsurance by Swiss Re, one of the largest reinsurers in the world, all those things meaning for a home buyer that there are assurances that things will be fixed if, heaven forbid, something were to happen. But in addition, our company is the only company 
warranty company that is that offers pre-existing home warranties as well as new construction warranties. And that is unique, especially when you, in my, my knowledge base, compare that to some of your competitors, one that aren't nationwide, they're regional companies, they don't have the foundation that you do, they don't have the history that you do, but they're not willing to do any more than honor warranties on new homes. Correct. And as we see, especially in this economy, we see the inventory of existing homes mm-hmm. being depleted, which is a good thing. You and I agree yes. on that. We see the inventory of new homes being depleted, yes. too. But especially when we see older homes being sold and changing hands out there, there are new occupants to those homes. And this is where you can be of just a, a great value in an older property because you will write a homeowner's warranty policy on those existing properties. That's exactly right. It's a systems and appliances warranty. It's for pre-existing homes. We also have one that fits for systems and appliances on new homes as well, Ken. But the fact of the matter is, as I said, we are the only company that offers both. Why should folks really consider a warranty on a home, new or existing? I don't know that we can buy a toothbrush without having a warranty in place. A statistic from the National Association of Home Builders, Ken, says that 80% of the home buyers feel that a warranty is extremely important, whether on a pre-existing home or a new home. How about an example? We had a sales rep in the state of Texas who noticed an article in the newspaper about a veteran who was having issues with his home. Unfortunately, like a lot of our very good friends who went out of the, were in the building industry and went out of business, this builder had gone out of business. So our sales rep took it upon himself to look up the address, found out that the home was enrolled with our company, and we were able to fix that veteran's home. Why do you need a warranty? Sometimes unforeseen circumstances just happen. And that's the reason we buy insurance on our automobile. Absolutely, absolutely. The other point that's important is for a builder's perspective or a home buyer's perspective is that a warranty protection is totally different than the general liability insurance coverage that a builder gets and it's totally different than the homeowner insurance that a homeowner buys they cover different things now they also have opportunity the homeowner does to select to some extent what's covered under these policies you talked a little bit about that moment ago it's not just one covers all or one covers only one item but degree of flexibility to suit budget that's exactly right not as much flexibility necessarily with the new home construction warranty but on the systems and appliances warranty absolutely we are speaking to dave johnson regional vice president new homes division with 210 home buyers warranty dave i want to come back to some differences in programs and just like any other insurance i have to assume And from what I know, there are differences not only in coverage, but between companies. Uh, You've got a solid foundation. We talked about that a moment ago. But tell me a little bit about the key reasons people should focus on 210 home warranty. Some of the things that a person would look for in a new home construction warranty are insurance-backed coverage from the day of closing. In certain cases, there are other companies that don't start their structural protection until the beginning of the third year. There are differences within the coverages on the warranties themselves, Ken. The Code of Fed Regulations dictates the definition of a structural defect and how it's supposed to be fixed. In our document, it's written in there verbatim. Also, the quality standards of which a builder would be upheld to are written in our document per the National Association of Home Builder Performance Guidelines. Sometimes those things are dictated by the states, but for the most part, what we have in our document is what the industry standards say they would be upheld to. In other words, Ken, it's not insurance speak. It's what your industry says you would dictate and what a home buyer would expect. So they know up front if there's an issue, what level, what quality of remediation will take place and how things will be handled. Establish the expectations up front, controlling the process for both the homeowner and the builder 
not only from dispute resolution issues, but cleaning the gutter issues, those sorts of things. Who do you work with predominantly, the home buyer, the builder, the realtor? All of the above, developers as well. One of the things that is unique about our pro- our company, though, too, Ken, is the fact that we take that to the next level with a fantastic warranty administration department that handles the issues and claims. Fortunately, they don't get to claims, hopefully not, but handles the issues associated with questions on the warranty, questions on the document, all those sorts of things. They handle thousands of those calls and help satisfy those issues way in advance before they even escalate. So that means there has to be a real person on the other end of the phone. And there are. So you're not simply talking to an answering machine. That is correct. I mean, that is good news. You're selling customer service. You're giving them a degree of assurance up front. You have a long, well-established program. You're backed by strong financial resources within your company and through reinsurers. And this should give everyone a comfortable feel that no matter what happens within their home, as far as the policy is concerned, if it's under that policy, it will be handled in a professional manner without a bunch of arguments and litigation and delays of years trying to get something fixed. If their builder goes broke, their builder retires. If things happen that are covered under the policy, you're there to assist them. Unforeseen things happen all the time. Unfortunately, bad things sometimes happen to good builders, and the homeowner needs some sort of person to resolve and help, and the builders need that help sometimes, too, and that's why we're there. Now, where do folks go to find out more about the 210 Home Buyer's Warranty? Of course, the best place, like everyone else, is go to the website, www.2-10.com. Very interactive. We also are associated with a lot of the local associations for the National Association of Home Builders, state affiliations, realtor organizations, those sorts of folks. And we have the largest representation of salespeople in the field of any of the warranty companies. All the information you need to know about 210 Home Buyers Warranty at 2-10.com. Dave, we appreciate you being with us today and sharing all this information regarding your company. And we want all of you to know there is one more opportunity for a little more peace of mind in either that new home or in the existing home you just purchased. Move in, have a good time, and sleep at night. Take a look at it, 2-10.com. Dave, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Ken. And that's this week's edition of One-on-One with Ken the Contractor. And, Ken, I know you just returned from the International Builder Show, and I'm sure there was a great emphasis placed there on Made in the USA, which we talk about a lot of this program. There was a very big emphasis on U.S.-based companies saying, we have U.S.-made products, we are employing people in this country, we're seeing the American flag on many of their boxes and products, we talked to them about that, and it really is a part of their marketing and advertising today. And we encourage folks to buy products made in America. And just as we were talking to Dave a moment ago, clearly, they're an American-made service. That wraps up this hour of Ken the Contractor. If you have a question about your home inside or out, you can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. You've been listening to Ken the Contractor. Every weekend at this time, Ken the Contractor, Ken Patterson is here taking your calls. Don't forget, you can friend Ken on Facebook at Ken the Contractor and follow him on Twitter at Ken Answers. And if you're looking for home improvement information at any time, go to KenTheContractor.com.